promising, I'm promising. I'm promising, I'm promising, I'm promising. I won't ask you home, alright. I'm only gonna say good night. Today on the Arts Report, John and Roy at the Chan. The Vancouver International Film Festival, George Strombolopoulos, uh, Red Bastard at the Fringe Fundraiser, free tickets to Familia, and more. Stay with us. Welcome to the Arts Report for September the 22nd. Uh, my name is Adam Janusz, and this is CITR 101.9 FM. We are streaming uh, live on the interweb at citr.ca, and uh, we have podcasts uh, on iTunes and uh, at FeedBurner as well. Uh, thanks for listening today. Uh, some things on the show that we will feature for you include... Uh, the Vancouver International Film Festival, which is coming in just a matter of weeks, uh, September 30th to be exact, which I believe is next Thursday. Uh, and we'll speak to Alan Franey, who's the executive director there, and he'll give us uh, the, the, the gist, the gist of it, the highlights, the, the preview of the festival that's coming up. We will also speak to John of John and Roy, who will be at the uh, Chan Center um, is it tomorrow? Yes, they'll be at the Chance Center tomorrow, and um, they'll be doing uh, the, the season opener of uh, live sessions, which is um, a multi-part series at the Chance Center that's uh, beginning uh, tomorrow and running for the next uh, few weeks. So that's exciting. We'll hear about that. What else uh, we have for you? Ah, we'll hear about... Um, a festival going on on Saturday uh, all around uh, Creek. This is the Renfrew Ravine Moon Festival that celebrates uh, not only the full moon that's coming up, but also uh, Still Creek, which is one of, or I think the only, uh, unpaved creek in the city of Vancouver. So we'll get uh, the lowdown on that. George Strombolopoulos is on the show. Uh, the host of the show, formerly known as The Hour, um, told us about the sort of retooled, rebranded uh, version of his show called George Strombolopoulos Tonight. And we'll ask him uh, how his name gets uh, mispronounced. Uh, what else? We have for you uh, an event at the First Nations Longhouse here at UBC. That's today at 6 o'clock. And uh, we have tickets to give away. That's right, free tickets to a show that's playing on Friday night, a lovely band called Familia. So we'll give uh, tickets away to that and play a little tiny bit of the song so you have an idea of what it is. That'll be in about 15, 20 minutes, so stay tuned for some lovely uh, tickets, a pair of tickets to Familia at the Forum, which is on Granville Street, Granville and Nelson, uh, the show on Friday night. So stick with us for that. Uh, yeah, so we've got a lovely show ahead for you. Uh, last Wednesday, we had our live show from the Vancouver International Fringe Festival. We set up a, a little tent uh, outside the box office and, uh, and did a show. We did an extremely packed uh, show over the phone line. We lost our internet connection and uh, had to do it over the phone line, so it sounded like a, like a tinny sports broadcast, but, uh, but we did it anyway. You may have heard it on the podcast. And it was a lot of fun. The only catch was I, I had to speak continuously without playing any ads because it was over the phone line. So I had to speak continuously for almost an hour and a half without stopping. And uh, I almost lost my mind after that. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stand. I couldn't sit. I could barely breathe. Uh, and then two hours after that, I went to see a show at the Stanley. Tear the Curtain, it was called. And, um, and, and it was pretty amazing. It was a combination of film noir and theater, and they actually in February uh, got a professional film crew and filmed uh, scenes from the story it, in all-out professional style. It, it had the look and feel of, of the 1930s, and they blended it. So they would actually project the, the film portions, the scenes, onto the curtain. And then at one point in the first five minutes, the, um, 
the movie uh, featured people arriving at the Stanley Theater, sitting in their seats, and then the camera turns to the, the curtain, and because it was projected onto the curtain, when the real curtain opened, I, I, almost, I almost jumped in my seat because I thought, oh my god, the movie's real! And it, uh, it seamlessly transitioned from, from film into, into the live action. You know, it was 3D film at its finest. Uh, unfortunately for uh, the story, um, it, wasn't, it didn't quite live up to the, uh, the technical magic. Um, the story was in, in two words, uh, convoluted garbage. And if it wasn't, if the play wasn't almost three hours long, then it could be forgiven because the the transitioning between film and theater and and the richness of the of the filmmaking was just so beautiful and so awe-inspiring that if it wasn't so long, it would have been completely forgivable. And I would say see it anyway because you know it's just so beautiful. See it anyway. But but two and a half, two two hours and forty-five minutes. That's they just lose all the goodwill that uh, they earn from such uh, amazing uh, cinematic feats. So. Um, can't really recommend it, but uh, see at your own risk is what I would say. All right, so uh, let's begin the program. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Alan Franey from the Vancouver International Film Festival. And um, Alan uh, gives us the scoop on uh, the festival. And when he is not um, managing the festival and putting it together, he's watching between 750 and 1,000 films over the course of the year. Uh, in the Vancouver Sun, he said, it's scary. <laughs> so here's Alan Franey. Uh, to get started, what what makes Vancouver's uh, film festival unique? Um, it's it's one of the the five uh, biggest in North America. But what's what's it sort of uh, what makes it distinct? There are a couple of things. I mean, I, we're a reflection of our city, so we've got uh, a lot of Asian component. We've got a very multicultural component. We're quite laid back, but at the same time it's geared towards a lot of very serious-minded people in the film and television industry and new media. And we try to represent the world, so we really do find good audiences for films from all over the world, and I think that also reflects the fact that Vancouver is quite a worldly city, we travel a lot, etc. Mm -hmm. I know with any film festival, there, there's obviously a, a ton of diversity and a hundred, you know, different uh, perspectives and directors and, and, and countries involved, but is, is there any a theme or anything sort of uh, uniting the films this year? Well, there are too many films for there to be one theme, mm -hmm. in fact, but we do show pretty much all very current films, and so you see themes develop. Mm -hmm. For some reason this year, there are quite a few films made by women. There are quite a few films that one might call concerned with the environment or the politics of the environment that, in fact, are kind of an interrogation of attitudes, political attitudes, and even in a sort of more scientific way, I mean, wh how our brains work and why we do the things we do. So that's a new, interesting take. Some of them are quite philosophical, films imagining what the world will be like uh, long in the future, that sort of thing. If uh, people only get out to see one film this year, what, what should that film be? Ooh, it depends what they like. There's so many good ones. <laughs> I really like the film we're closing with, The Illusionist, the animated film from France by the guy who did Triplets of Belleville. Oh, okay. I love that. I also really like another film from France called Snow White, which is a dance film set to the music of Mahler, but it's pretty extraordinary. Hmm. And uh, tell me about some of the non-film events that are um, going on at the festival as well. Of course, we have the forum at the beginning, which mm -hmm. starts a couple of days before the festival and includes New Filmmakers Day, and that's where you have people from all over the world who are leaders in the industry. So we've got the people who created Breaking Bad and Treme and so on, and people like that. And then we've got lots of parties and different events throughout the festival, and we have lots of filmmakers here. So there's salons with filmmakers and, of course, the Q&As at all the screenings. Great. We're looking forward to it. Okay. Well, thanks for your interest. I hope you enjoy it. That snuck up on me rather quickly. Okay, that was Alan Franey from the Vancouver International Fringe uh, Festival. And the festival begins September 30th. And the crew here at the Arts Report is working uh, on a 
on a package of reviews for you. We've uh, we've been delivered a cornucopia of different films uh, from the festival, and over the next week we'll be reviewing them. And on next Wednesday's Arts Report, we'll give you uh, the rundown of the films that we saw and um, and whether they're any good, in our expert opinion. Uh, so... There's another thing that you should know about, which is the 25th Annual Film and TV Forum, which the Vancouver International Film Festival is presenting. And that will be from September 28th till October 1st. And some of the workshops that are being conducted at this forum include uh, Directors on Actors, Maximizing Performances, On Finding Co-Production Partners, uh, Let's see what else, Webisodes, and other fine uh, workshops and events. And this will be taking place over the course of a few days from the 28th until October the 1st. Uh, plus New Filmmakers Day on October 2nd. So until October 2nd. Uh, if you want more information, uh, the, program, uh, the program for the festival comes out tomorrow. And if you want more information, it's www.vif.org. All right. So that's that. I would like to play uh, just one ad and then uh, come back. And when we return, what will we have? Well, we'll tell you about uh, the forum. Aha. So get your dialing, dialing fingers ready because we're going to give some tickets away to see uh, Familia. So we'll tell you about uh, the forum, which is on Granville Street, and how they are trying to increase the uh, the amount of live independent music on Granville on the Granville Strip. Uh, so we'll be right back. Stay with us. Bond. James Bond. Got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? You talking to me? You talking to me? I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Just a sweet transvestite Come transsexual Transylvania Where else can you see Hollywood blockbusters, midnight cult classics, indie films, live music, burlesque, stand-up comedy, poetry slams, and live sporting events all at your local theater? The Rio Theater voted number one in East Vancouver. Your neighborhood indie theater that promotes all things cool. A new generation of Spike and Mike animation from September 17th to September 30th, presenting 19 international animated short films from all over the world, from the people who brought you the Sick and Twisted Animation Festival. Rated PG, but still very cool and insanely humorous. For more information, visit riotheater.ca. Hey, you're listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. So 30 Live at the Forum is a bi-weekly independent music uh, showcase. And it's, uh, it's brand new. It started uh, two weeks ago with uh, Free City Collective, uh, which we gave away tickets to uh, two weeks ago as well. And uh, they're back at it again. And this time they are uh, celebrating the musical talents of Familia. Now... Uh, let me just read to you a little paragraph about uh, the forum. It says, This will be a huge kickoff for the brand new bi-monthly live music series happening every second Friday at the forum on Granville Strip. This night will feature the dopest, most original live music in Van City. Three bands and danceable DJ. And uh, so Familia, which uh, I will be giving away tickets to just in a moment. Let me throw out the number to you now so you have your, your dialing fingers ready. It is 604 822 2487, which is 604 UBC CITR, H222487. Oh, we've got a caller already. All right, so let me play the song. This is uh, Today by Familia. Have a listen.
You know, Joe, you start with these riffs in your head. We're good. And something you want to say, and you want to spin gold. But the thing is, people don't want your sounds. They only want... You people, you're the fucking coolest! What is that? What is it? One more shot and salute. <coughs> Tune in to Sore Throats and Clapping Hands, hosted by Robert Privet. Monday evenings at 6.30 on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. And in the end, it's love. And in the end, it's love. We're back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Coming up right now is George Strombolopoulos. And uh, he's come a long way from his start in a Kelowna radio station to hosting the punk show, among other shows, on Much Music, to hosting The Hour, which has now become George Strombolopoulos Tonight on CBC TV. Uh, in our conversation, we will talk about how film is not supported by government uh, the same way that music has been supported, Canadian music has been supported on our airwaves. And uh, we'll, he'll also muse about the importance of failure in, in life and um, how it adds to a rich experience. Um, and then he'll give a shout out to my friend Melinda, who thinks that he is hot. First off, thanks for being on the Arts Report. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, sir. So um, I understand with the with the show now with the retooling, it, you, you're sort of following in the steps of uh, Mike Bullard, and uh, there's certainly been a vacuum um, in the sort of uh, talk show area in Canada since uh, since he left, and so um, as well, um, you know, many have decried a lack of a of a star system, you know, a cultural sort of system of magazines and, and shows in Canada. Yeah. So my question is, are, are you trying to save Canada with your show? <laughs> no, God no, hell no! It doesn't need to be saved. It's it's fine the way it is. Um, no, what we are is we're just part of the conversation, right? And we want to drive a certain part of the conversation that perhaps doesn't have a driver um, for a lot of reasons. Like there isn't there isn't a show like ours that puts, you know, like last night Michael Ignatieff and Robert Plant on the same program, and mm -hmm. both voices are relevant. And both voices should be heard. You know, tonight Jack Layton and Paul Haggis, and tomorrow we'll talk to Anthony Bourdain, and we'll have. Zach Galifianakis, but also Deepak Chopra coming on. You know, there's, so there's, there needs to be a place where there can be a national conversation. That's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. The lack of a star system in Canada doesn't bother me that much because we don't have a tabloid culture. Mm -hmm which I like. The, the reason why the television business is, and the star system is, as I think, where it is is because I don't think that TV and film work very well together in this country. I think the reason why the TV business is so strong in America is because Hollywood was so strong as a film business, mm -hmm. and one feeds the other. And then if you look right, when Hollywood um, created all these stars, they made the move to television. Mm -hmm. And then television stars made the move to film, and that's what you need to do in this country. We have these CanCon regulations that regulate how many Canadian songs get played, and television has to have Canadian content, but theaters are not required to run Canadian film. Mm -hmm. So if theaters are not required to run Canadian films in any way, shape, or form, how is anybody going to see them? Mm -hmm. And if no one's going to see them, how do you build a business? Right. So until we until we address the fact that the Canadian film business it gets it gets funding, but the funding isn't they don't get the next step, which is the kind of things that all the Canadian musicians out there were heavily supported, mm -hmm. and there were tons of Canadian uh, musicians who would never have gotten on the radio if it wasn't for CanCon. Mm -hmm. Tons, believe me. I worked in radio stations at that time, and. The program directors would say, if it wasn't for CanCon, we wouldn't play this. But but it was necessary for for a few decades because it created the environment that Canadians could do this, right? Right. And same, thing for, same thing. For, I think Canadian film and television is back where Canadian um, music was in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a couple of breakouts, but it's time to really build the culture. And so once the film and TV, it, this is just my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Once they start working together a little bit more hand in hand, and once the, the industry starts to support Canadian film, I think that's going to help all of it. Okay. Now, um, with the, the changing of the, the name to George Strombolopoulos tonight, um, it, it brings to mind, I wonder, um, what, what's been the funniest or the worst uh, mispronunciation of your name? Um, I did a, an interview yesterday. Some guy kept calling me Strombopoulos, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I like Strombopoulos, but with a last name like mine, it's, it's insane, right? I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, people keep doing GST when they hear the name of the show. 
What? Like George Strobel oh, okay, signed okay. GST, and then I kind of laugh and I say it's because I'm going to give them seven percent more effort. <laughs> right. But then in a couple of years I'm going to cut it down to six, and then eventually five. <laughs> down to five, and then eventually. But then I'll harmonize it, and yeah. we all win. <laughs> and we all win. You'll Flash, to, we lose. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to change George to something with an H, I guess. Yeah. Totally. Um, let me ask you about. Um, you know, you, you've had a. It seems like a, a pretty uh, straight trajectory. Uh, steadily upward uh, from your start in radio to, to much music to, to now TV, um, but I wonder if there's been any any uh, epic uh, screw ups along the way that you could share. Oh yeah, man! I hosted the uh, what was at the time the most um, like the greatest fail in the history of American show primetime shows, and I was the host of that show. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, so and believe me, man, when you host the biggest failure ever, you know about it. Um, <laughs> But uh, thankfully, several shows have come on and failed more spectacularly since. So I'm not even in the top, the bottom five now. But uh, no, I, I, the truth is, and, I, and, I, and it sounds like I'm spinning this to you, but I'm not. Um, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. Uh, in the course of your, your life, you, you, it, it's not about winning, 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 winning. Because all that is is a career. Mm-hmm. And I don't want a career. I want a life. And so I, I don't, if you, if you have shows that are successful at every turn, then that may be great for your career. But in your life, you're not learning stuff. You're not finding out new things about you. You're not learning how to handle another area of your life. There's all these things that I wouldn't know how to do mm-hmm. if I didn't go through that experience. So I, uh, everybody just assumes that you, it's your career trajectory is good. But it's not really about that to me. It's about am I living the best version of my life? Because I've got to be honest with you, man. Be it this or being a sandwich maker at Subway or Mr. Submarine, I'd be fine with that too, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is what I love to do, and this is the voice that I have, and I'm able to get away with it right now. But I want to know that when I'm 40 or even 38, which is I am now, am I living the best version of my life today? And and that's why I like epic failures because I've had you know nice successes and I've had my most successful show on Much Music was a show that I hated more than anything, <laughs> right? That? Like I loved the new music. That was my favorite show to do. That's the reason I got into television, you know, accidentally. Uh, but no one watched that show. That's the show that allowed me to get this TV show, but nobody watched the new music. Everybody watched the show called Fandemonium, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I despise that show, and I, and, I, and I hated myself for doing it, but I learned, you know, another layer, another, I, learned, I found another voice in my head to be on the, like, I found all these little things. Mm-hmm. So I need successes and failures to have a, a, a more enriched life, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, just quickly, I have one last question. This is from my friend Melinda, and she wants to know how... Melinda are, or Belinda? Melinda with an M. Hello, Melinda. Um, she wants to know, how are you so sexy every day? Is there a special diet you consume to maintain your hotness <laughs> well first of all thank you for thinking that but that's not accurate uh, um, um, I'm a Satanist right and so every day I get up I'm just kidding um, so that's a, how am I going to answer that question <laughs> I, I don't know anything is fine <laughs> no can you imagine that? Uh, thank, thank you Melinda you're very sweet awesome thanks very much for your time it was a pleasure a pleasure man talk to you soon take care alright see ya bye that was George Strombolopoulos, and uh, you heard it here first. He is a Satanist, a practicing Satanist. Um, thanks to him for that. That was uh, We had a jolly good chat. Um, his show, George Strombolopoulos Tonight, is on the CBC at 11.05 every night, Monday to Friday. Uh, when we come back, we'll hear from John of the band John and Roy. Stay with us. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. You're listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I am your host, Adam Janusz. The Chan Center for Performing Arts here at C at not at CITR at UBC here on campus is uh, excited to begin uh, a whole new season of uh, performances, and one such uh, series is uh, the live sessions. And uh, live sessions uh, take place on three Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and it starts with John and Roy. We'll also feature uh, Art Napoleon on September 30th. 
and closes with Haley Sales on October 7th. And we will have coverage of all those events. The first of which is John and Roy. And you might be um, curious if you've, uh, you might not have heard of John and Roy, but I'm pretty sure you have because you might know them from this song, A Little Bit of Love. That's John and Roy with Little Bit of Love. Now they're coming to the Chan. So I uh, had a chance to speak to them about their uh, tour that they've uh, completed all over uh, North America, including Winnipeg, where they got to be live on stage with uh, Glenn Hansard of uh, Swell Season and the film uh, once. Uh, so have a listen to uh, this is John of John and Roy. Well, so first off, John, thanks for uh, being on the Arts Report. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, so you just uh, you are wrapping up your uh, Western Canadian tour, is that right? Yeah, pretty. I'm, I guess we're more or less wrapping up our summer stuff. We uh, did a bunch of stuff in the summer, festivals and whatnot, and just completed a little East Coast tour here. Got back yesterday, That's and then uh, a couple shows here in the in the in the vicinity, of Victoria, Vancouver type of thing. Okay, and I'm just wondering what's um, what's uh, what's the biggest highlight you take out of all the touring you've you've just had. I understand you you guys uh, did a, a workshop in uh, at the Winnipeg uh, Folk Fest. Um, yeah, we had a good one there with uh, the guy from uh, the Swell Season. Well, actually, both the people from the Swell Season. But that was really cool. That guy's a real uh, I think Glenn Hansard. His name is. He's a real charismatic individual, talented, and um, that was really fun. Um, I think uh, the coolest show we played, um, we're actually in the Victoria area. We did one for Canada Day here where they, we did like the headlining slot um, down on the Parliament lawn and it was like a huge stage and, you know, probably like 10,000 people. So that was a cool experience just to play for that many people and feel like a rock star for 45 minutes or whatever. Uh, and we played a festival in Port Renfrew, which is about three hours outside of Victoria, maybe, if you drive slowly. Oh, wow, that's rather um, rustic. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was out in the woods, and there was a stage kind of, like, up on a cliff, like, overlooking, like, this inlet. Um, so that was a really unique, cool experience as well. Wow. Uh, and tell me about the album um, Homes. Why not uh, House or Home? <laughs> yeah, we just thought it worked as a title. I don't know. It's kind of leave it up to listener's interpretation more than anything. Okay, so it doesn't um, have a, a story per se behind it? Uh, not particularly, depending so, who you talk to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm just curious, um, you guys have a, a reputation for sort of epitomizing the a West Coast sound. And um, from your point of view, what, uh, what makes the West Coast uh, sort of uh, vibe, the atmosphere among artists uh, different from, say, Toronto? It's kind of a geographically unique region, you know. I think the whole kind of like uh, northwest area actually is a similar vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, like people like Seattle and Portland, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the rain. Maybe it's the, <laughs> the big trees. You know, and do you more think, oxygen. Does that in, <laughs> does that influence uh, your music? I mean, are you inspired by uh, the landscapes? Yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely am very much inspired by the, this area. I mean can't really help but be inspired you know if you go to places like Tofino and not necessarily Tofino actually but the west coast of that area you know and it humbles you you know so I think that that allows you to kind of look at life in a certain way that maybe you wouldn't if you just were stuck in a city mm -hmm. and uh, I just wonder what uh, what people can, ex can expect at the uh, at the Chan Center what can we expect uh, well we're going to play as best we can we can yeah, I mean, we had a number of really good shows lately, and the whole summer has been kind of building in a good way. And so we, uh, yeah, we're excited to be playing a show, especially the the Chan Center. It's a very nice, nice venue, and um, it's always fun working with the CBC. They're always really 
uh, professional with the sound, etc. So that should be should be a good, really good show. Mm-hmm. And um, what are your plans for the the weeks and months ahead? Is it is it more touring, or are you gonna take it easy for a bit? Um, we're taking a bit of a little bit of a break. We might do a tour uh, end of uh, November, but that's yet to be confirmed. Um, a couple shows locally, and then we're doing two big shows in December. Uh, possibly three. We do this thing called, uh, well, the last couple of years at least, we've been doing it, calling it the holiday special. No, no uh, religious affiliation, just kind of getting a bunch of bands together and solo musicians and putting on a show. We've done it twice in Victoria already, and it'll be our third time. Uh, and then we're bringing it to Vancouver this year as well. And yeah, we basically like headline essentially, and then we have four to five openers kind of do three songs a piece type of thing and so it's been really successful the last couple of years and that's the one thing we're working towards right now is getting a really good lineup together and having that take place sounds good all right we're looking forward to that thanks very much sweet yeah no problem man and that was john from john and roy which will be tomorrow at uh, the chance center for live sessions now, let me tell you about tickets. Uh, they are $16 for adults, 10 for students with valid ID, and you can get them from uh, Ticketmaster at ticketmaster.ca, or you can go to the Chance Center itself and uh, get tickets in person. There are a few links at citr.ca that I've put up on our blog, so you can get some more information right there from citr.ca. And I should add that uh, each of the uh, live sessions, uh, concerts, will be broadcast on um, CITR's arch nemesis, CBC Radio 2. No, that's not true. They are, they are good friends. And they will be uh, broadcasting the whole thing on, on the radio. So we look forward to that. We'll be right back. At Dunkin' Donuts, each and every radio show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this radio show will do. So go ahead, let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience exquisite. Indeed. (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one. Hey there, we've still got plenty of uh, segments for you here on the Arts Report. Uh, Let me give you a quick rundown of what we've got. Uh, We will tell you about the Renfrew Ravine Moon Festival. We will also speak to Eric Davis, who is also known as Red Bastard, who is here in April and is back again in a fundraiser for the Fringe, which just wrapped up on Sunday. But now they have a few fundraisers and, of course, the pick of the fringe. The, uh, the best of the fringe will still be uh, playing, uh, I believe, uh, from Thursday, from tomorrow until Sunday. There will be uh, pick of fringe shows and fundraiser shows. Um, so we'll have that. And uh, we'll tell you about an event that's going down at the First Nations Longhouse here at uh, UBC, including some poets. So still quite a bit. Hopefully we can fit it in without going over time. First up uh, in this 20-minute chunk of the Arts Report, we will speak to Carmen Rosen, and uh, she's from the Renfrew Ravine Moon Festival, and they are celebrating two things. The full moon, which is sort of a pagan thing to be having a, a big moon party, but fun. Uh, but they're also celebrating Still Creek, which is the only creek in the city of Vancouver, not including Stanley Park, that hasn't been paved over. When the city of Vancouver was designed, when the grid layout for the city was was made, the meandering streams in the city uh, were frowned upon, and um, the uh, the city fathers um, basically paved it over and put it in pipes put all the creeks into flowing uh, pipes and destroyed the the lovely streams. Uh, By the time that development reached uh, the edge uh, into almost Burnaby, um, times had changed, and there was more respect for, I guess, uh, the environment. And so it wasn't paved over, and Still Creek uh, is thus one of the only ones. Um, And as you'll hear from from Carmen, uh, for a long time, it was a, a dumping ground. It was an excuse for people to uh, dispose of their garbage and throw it into the ravine. Uh, but now, with the help of uh, this festival, which has been running for a few years, the amount of garbage has decreased uh, significantly to almost nothing, and now people can actually celebrate down there. So have a listen. 
Well, the Renfrew Ravine Moon Festival has a whole variety of things happening, so it depends on what time of day you come. Okay. Uh, in the late afternoon, we start about 4 p.m., and we're at Slocan Park, which is right by this 29th Avenue Skytrain station. Mm-hmm. And there we have a harvest fair, so we have lots of music. We have people bringing their vegetables in to get judged in the harvest fair competition. We have a bike uh, workshop. We have homemade harvest soup, all sorts of things going on like that. And last-minute lantern making. (laughs) So people are coming and making lanterns or buying lanterns. And then when the sun sets at 7 p.m., we call out the moon and a giant moon lantern comes forward, and a live band, two live bands, actually lead, lead a parade away from Slocan Park and down to Renfrew Park. Mm-hmm. And we walk along the edge of Renfrew Ravine, and it's quite beautiful. So we start out at sunset, and by the time we get to Renfrew Park, it's just getting dark, because it takes about 20, 25 minutes to walk to Renfrew Park. And then, and so by 7.30, when we get there, the whole uh, stream is lit up with candles and lanterns and musicians playing in different spots all along the stream, and you can walk through the ravine and see all this beautiful art and lanterns hmm. there. Wow. And then if you're cold, you can go get <laughs> tea and mooncakes and hang out until 8.30 when the big finale happens on Renfrew Field. And that's a quite the um, event because we have about... 30 young people who've been working on fancy choreography. They've, they've been learning acrobatic stilts, flag spinning, poi spinning, fire spinning, and um, shadow puppets. And then we also have about the same number of people in a band. And it's like a big band, jazz band. One-third of the musicians are professionals and they're mentors to two-thirds of the musicians who are community members who get the experience of a lifetime of playing next to professional jazz musicians and mm-hmm. making some really hot music. So, and the kids get all the the uh, possibility of performing to a live band and the whole live music experience. So that's about a half hour to forty five minute show, and then we have fireworks at the end, and wow. it's really fun. So it's a little bit of everything. It really is <laughs> yeah. a bit of everything, and it's all crammed into one day. It's kind of yeah, hard to believe. Yeah. So between four and nine thirty, you have the complete experience of sort of a nice afternoon into a magical evening experience. Wow. Now, um, you were saying, uh, you know, it moves over to the ravine. And I'm mm-hmm. uh, just wondering, tell me a bit more about how it, it in- incorporates the, uh, does it incorporate the, the creek? Well, what we, what we do for our parade is we walk along a trail that's kind of up high on, from mm. the ravine. It's still at street level. Okay. Um, I'd love to go bushwhacking through <laughs> there, but I think the mothers with strollers right. <laughs> would be annoyed with me, so we stay on the trail up high, but we go along the edge of the ravine. But when we get to Renfrew Park, where the stream flows through, they've actually tamed the ravine enough so that you can walk right next to the stream. Mm-hmm. And that's where we've put lanterns because there's pathways. And we've put lanterns and installations. And we have some lanterns that actually float right in the water oh. on Still Creek there. So we have a nice uh, combination of lanterns in the trees and the bushes and the reflections of lanterns floating on the water in the stream itself. Wow. Now, yeah. And tell me a bit about how this, this came about. I mean, it, it seems to incorporate uh, a little bit of everything, you know, the, the full moon, the uh, one of the only creeks. When I moved into the neighborhood about a decade ago, there was a ravine committee, and they were pulling garbage out of the ravine twice a year. And when they started, they were pulling out four dumpster loads oh my God. every time because people were using it as an unofficial dump. And so when I joined the committee, I said, well, what could I do as an artist so people wouldn't see this place as a dump? They would see it as a place of beauty and sanctuary for us and for the wildlife that would be using it if we weren't throwing all our crap in it. <laughs> so um, so I started doing art projects along the edge of it and talking to my neighbors. And then in 2003, we had our first moon festival. and. Oh, and it has really changed the nature of how people see the ravine. People mm-hmm. see it as a place of beauty. We still have twice annual ravine cleanups, but the last ravine cleanup in August, we had four garbage bags, mm-hmm. not four dumpsters right. that we pulled out. And we now do mostly invasive species removal because there's not that much garbage to pull out anymore. Hmm. So I think using art as a way of just re... Um, 
reframing mm -hmm. what our wild spaces are about can be quite effective because I think people get tired of being bashed over the head about um, environmental um, messages right. about how bad we are all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we could say let's let's think about how we can honor a place and then people's mindset about it changes. I mean, there's still some stuff get, that gets thrown in there, but it's not constant. Hmm. It's kind of the exception now instead of the rule. Great. Well, it sounds like a really packed day of fun, and um, mm -hmm. we're looking forward to it. Thanks for uh, telling me about it. Today. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Come out and enjoy it. And pray for good weather. <laughs> That's what we need, because it's happening rain or shine. And that was Carmen Rosen praying for good weather. So the Renfrew Ravine Moon Festival is Saturday, September 25th. It starts at 4 p.m. And you can get more information at stillmoon.org uh, or citr.ca. Yeah, the blog post for the Arts Report today also has links, so you can get them uh, there. All right. Now next we have Eric Davis, also known as Red Bastard. Who is Red Bastard, you say? Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Uh, I've heard him described as... Um, as an obese Satan. It's, um, that doesn't help at all, does it? It's basically, he's a clown, so he's got his red nose and his face is painted white, but he has this huge fat suit and it's red. And the idea is that he's this sort of grotesque clown, no, this is sort of grotesque uh, cartoon character. And he comes out on stage and um, he mocks himself and he mocks you. He'll, he'll pick out people in the audience and, um, and make fun of them. And, um, and he'll play little games with people and little sing-alongs and, um, and do rather perverse things as well. Um, he might even strip down and, and just get naked, um, all under the thesis that, that, um, you know, that we all make the show together. The performer and the audience are both equally responsible. And as a challenge to you, audience member, to, to make this show interesting, he, he makes you blab out um, you know, obscene things and to embarrass yourself. He encourages you to embarrass yourself. And then as a reward, in one of the shows that I saw, he, um, he stripped down and, and revealed all, as a, as, almost as a thank you to us, for for exposing ourselves in a way um so it's a really interesting show and it's coming to uh the waterfront theater uh in celebration of the end of the the fringe festival it's a fundraiser for the fringe and um i asked eric davis um why he's coming back to vancouver so soon and um to do the show because he was here just a few months ago You've uh, you've been in Vancouver uh, just a few months ago, and now you're coming back again. You must uh, you must really have a thing for this city, or the city has something for you. Which is it? <laughs> something, yeah. Uh, well, we're developing a relationship. I think it's like slow. Uh, yeah, but I, I I do love Vancouver. It's one of my my favorite cities in, uh, in Canada, and, I, and I'm telling the truth. Uh, I really like the climate there. I think it's gorgeous. I love all the art there. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited to be coming back. Uh, at this year's now you're at a at a fundraiser uh, for the Fringe Festival, and this year's Fringe um, is is said to have had a, a a theme of clowns. That there was a lot of clowns at this year's festival more than more than previously, and um, and of course a lot of people think clowns are like uh, birthday you know performers and and um, and horror movie uh, characters. Um, and a lot of people know even less about uh, Buffon, and so. Uh, I'm wondering if you could share the the sort of the story of the the roots of Buffon and how it sort of uh, started out in I guess the Middle Ages. Yes, well, uh, in some yeah, it depends on what you, how you look at it. I, I think basically uh, as a contemporary uh, art form, it was sort of actually began uh, as a as a study at the Lecoq School, uh, and you know, as I understand, they were you know they were kind of looking for who's the person that can kind of like make fun of of anybody. And um, they started by, I think, having a person make fun of a person in a, in, a, in a business suit. And it was a bit difficult to watch, but then they started to say, well, what if we kind of begin to get, make this person who is mocking the business person a bit misshapen in some way? And they started to see, like, oh, somehow it becomes more acceptable in some way. So they started to look for models of that, and they found a, a pretty good model for it back in the, uh, in the medieval age. Where they would have like a you know a feast of fools and you know during this time that you know Christianity's kind of come into vogue and there's this idea that God only makes beautiful things 
so if you're uh, you know disgusting or if you have like a hunchback or something, you're you're kicked out. You live outside of the village, and um, you know like they but they still have like these um, you know like a festival like the like the feast of fools. And on this day, they would invite these people in to uh, to put on a show for the community. And in some sense, uh, they're they're bringing it's, it's a you know it's a sacred thing. They're you know they might be bringing them in to sort of scare away bad spirits or something like that because they're so disgusting or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, you know they're coming in and and they you know on this day they come in and they do a they do a parody they mock you know all the people who have thrown them out of the city right so they're sort of condemned you know 99 percent of the time and then for this one day sort of uh typical morality is sort of flipped upside down and they get to um take their revenge almost on uh, on normal people yeah yes that's exactly right now you said buffon is a joke told by a nightmare what does that mean It's sort of like, you know, the thing where you opened up with, so, oh, well, you know, like some clowns, or, you know, they think of birthday clowns, or, uh, you know, or, or like scary clowns. All for, me. <laughs> for me, in some sense, like the, the bouffant, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be so so nice or, or, or so completely vulnerable. Like, they can be, like, a, you know, a bit scary. They can be critical of society, of the audience. And they can, you know, they can be a bit, you know, dangerous in some way. Uh, certainly not without any recognition of if, you know, their limits, but uh, you know, there's something which is both dangerous and scary about them, and something that's very good about um, being, you know, uh, manipulative or charming as well. So you have an interesting contrast between those two. Mm-hmm. Now, so you have the humor, but it can be a dangerous type of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly a lot of uh, risk-taking um, for you as a performer, and I think uh, to some extent uh, going to your show is a bit of a, is a, bit of a risk because <laughs> you've been known to uh, sing in, inside people's mouths and, um, and to get naked and, and other things that, you know, I don't want to spoil it. Um, I'm just curious, what's, um, can you tell us a, a story of, of maybe the best or the worst or just an intriguing um, interaction you've had with an audience member, perhaps unexpectedly? Uh, yeah, let me, uh, let me pull up something from my, uh, um, uh, I was in, I was in Slovenia and, uh, you know, I was having an, an interaction with somebody and I was, sort of, you know, asking, you know, there's, there's a, there's a piece in during the show where I have some, uh, I offer to have some, some, you know, physical contact with somebody if they'd like to play. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was like, oh, I, you know, at some point I basically was like, oh, would, you know, take off your, uh take off your dress. She was wearing this, this dress and she was like, she was kind of interested in it. <laughs> she was like, she was like, oh, I just had a baby. And she was a little shy. And so I was like, ah, we don't care. We don't mind. We're all, you know, progressive here. It's like, just, you know, take off. Take she was like, she thought about it again. She was like, yeah, I just had a baby. So I was like, um, can I go underneath of your dress? Or no, I, actually I started, I said, uh, take off your bra. So she takes off her bra underneath of the, of the dress and pulls it out like a little magic trick. I said, great. And I said, well, I take off your panties. She's like, uh-huh, okay. So she reaches <laughs> down below and takes off her panties. And I said, now take off your dress. She's like, nah, the baby. So I was like, I was like well, can I, can I go underneath of your dress? And she's like, uh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, I'll go under there. Uh, but so, again, it's like, really, it's, but really I'm not forcing anything on her. I'm sort of like finding her boundary of like, where would she like to go? Yeah, you know? she, she seemed to want to go pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Like, who knows what will happen at a show, depending on, you know, more people. It's like a roller coaster ride. It seems like a little scary, but but nobody's really going to get hurt. Hmm. Great. Well, we look forward to the show in the next couple of days. Awesome. Me too. Thanks Hope very to much. See you all there. All right. So that was Eric Davis bringing Red Bastard to the Fringe Festival fundraiser on September twenty sixth, which is this Sunday at eight fifteen. That's uh, a slightly odd start time, 8.15 p.m., and this is at the Waterfront Theater out on Granville Island. And if you want to get tickets um, sooner rather than later, which you should, uh, go to the Vancouver Fringe website, which is vancouverfringe.com. Very conveniently located there. All right, so we're going to take uh, a little break, and when we come back, we'll have one of our correspondents, our new new arts uh, team member, Spencer Lindsay, is going to tell us about uh, the event at the, uh, the Longhouse here at UBC. So stay with us.
Hello, Micro. We're at 8,000 feet. Television cold and I'm bored stiff. What about putting on a hot gramophone record to cheer me up? Hello? Hello. Is this Harlem 77711? Hello, fellas. This is Duke Ellington. Ah, uh, get it. Pause. Let's get sweet and hot. In the opinion of hot music critics, Count Basie has one of the best dance orchestras in the country. King of the clarinet, Marty Shaw, and his orchestra making dance history in the Blue Room of the Hotel Lincoln in New York City. Every Thursday from 10 till noon, join me, your host, Charles Burnham, for Sweet and Hot, a celebration of the 78 RPM record, the three-minute masterpiece, and the golden age of North American songwriting. Hot jazz, swing, and popular music from the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. That's every Thursday from 10 till noon, here on CITR 101.9 FM. The Colored Collective presents poets D.B. Young and Skeena Reese uh, tonight, Wednesday, September 22nd at uh, 6 p.m., 6 to 8 p.m. at the First Nations Longhouse of Learning right here uh, at UBC. And our correspondent, uh, Spencer Lindsay, spoke to the three of four members of Colored Collective to find out more. So I'm here in the studio with three quarters of the Colored Collective. This is Allison, Rudo, and Ruvimbo. So could you guys tell me how the Collective got started, why it got started, and what you're doing now? Well, Colored Collective started off after the Paul Rusesa Bagina talk at the Chan Center. The Rondi's community was outraged that UBC had brought him because they felt that he was not a good representative of what had happened during the genocide. So we had a debriefing session, and we realized that there was a gap between what UBC offers to the community and what the community feels that they need. So as African students, we decided to hold a memorial for the Rondis genocide. And after that memorial, we decided we wanted to continue, and that's how we started up. Our goal is to create spaces where cross-cultural, cross-community dialogue um, can happen so that we can inspire um, each other and empower each other um, and raise awareness about issues that our communities face. Um, so we're hoping that throughout the year we'll have events, whether they're artistic or academic, um, that, will, you know, ha that will help us all come together as a community. Our first event is tonight at the First Nations Longhouse from 6 o'clock, and it's a dialogue series featuring Skinner Reese and D.B. Young, and they're two poets, and um, they're going to be talking about storytelling as a form of reclamation, and then our next event is tomorrow when Sisters Speak 2. That's at Nyala's Restaurant on Maine and King Edward. So it's basically an all-female lineup of poets, spoken word, artists, dancers, etc. So if you're interested in the arts, please come out and support. And it's from 8 to 12. So thanks. Okay, that was uh, Spencer Lindsay with the team from Colored Collective. And as you heard there, uh, one event is happening at 6 p.m. tonight at the First Nations Longhouse at 1985 West Mall here on the UBC campus. And tomorrow there's another event, Sisters Speaking. Uh, so, sorry, Sisters Speak. And that's going to be at Nyala Restaurant, which is on Main Street and King Edward in Vancouver. And that starts at 8 p.m. Okay. So we have arrived at the end of our program for today, for this week. Uh, there's one thing I want to tell you about, and that's Culture Days. Culture Days are coming uh, this weekend. Yeah, from the 24th till the 26th, from Friday till Sunday, is uh, Culture Days, which I believe is like a national celebration of uh, the arts. Um, as you can tell, I'm not that learned on the concept of Culture Days, but what I do know is that there are going to be a lot of open houses all over the city from some of the biggest uh, cultural organizations, uh, and they're throwing open their doors and inviting the public to come in and, uh, and see the innards of these uh, lovely cultural institutions of our city. For example, the, uh, the Arts Club. On Sunday, uh, from 1 till 4 p.m., they've got uh, Tour the Granville Island Stage. 
uh, on Granville Island. And uh, what does it say here? Opening its doors front and back and invites participants on a guided exploration of the Granville Island stage, the review stage, its new facilities under construction, and the production departments that provide all Arts Club productions with sets, costumes, props, and more. Then... At the Playhouse, we have an exciting day of events as well, and this is on Saturday, uh, September 25th, and this is from 2 until 4 p.m., and they are going to be doing a little bit more than just uh, a tour. Let's see what it says here. During the open house, there will be refreshments, design displays, backstage tours, a short scene from A Life in the Theater, which uh, just wrapped up. We had an interview on the Arts Report uh, for that show. There will be wine tastings from the Vancouver Playhouse International Wine Festival and much more. And then at 4 p.m., you'll actually get to see a full performance of A Life in the Theater by David Mamet, um, starring Jesse Award winners Ryan Beale and David Bloom. Space is limited, so get there early. Uh, and that's an exciting opportunity because that show wrapped up a few weeks ago, and if you missed it in that run, you get another chance to see it for free. So how awesome is that? And then uh, perhaps one of the biggest Culture Days events in the city must be the Scotiabank Dance Centre, also on Saturday. Uh, this one's from 11 a.m., until 5 p.m. So you could come at 11 on Saturday to the Dance Center, then uh, mosey on over to the Playhouse later that day for, what time was it? 2 p.m. And then you can catch the Arts Club on Sunday. You can work it all out. It's, it's, it's easy. Now, let me tell you, man, full schedule of events. There's a ton of things going on from, okay, 11 till, uh, till noon. This is, uh, this is at, the, uh, at the Dance Center. They're going to have a photo exhibit, a reflective look at the work of ballet dancer and choreographer Simone Orlando. Then there's going to be a Pilates class, uh, also at 11. Another thing at 11 is ballet masterclass with Rex Harrington. You'll get to meet the uh, huge star of Canadian ballet, Rex Harrington. What else? Man, there's so much more. Um, another class, Nia, a fusion of dance, martial arts, and healing arts at 12 noon. Vancouver Ballet Dance Library opens to the public uh, between 12 and 2, and it just goes on and on and on and on. There's a rehearsal, an open rehearsal with Kid Pivot, artistic director, choreographer, Crystal Pite hosts an open rehearsal of her new work in progress, The You Show. So there's so much that's going on. So uh, I think if you just Google Culture Days, you'll, you'll find these things. Certainly if you go to the dancecenter.ca, you'll get a ton of information. Um, and, and yeah, so there's lots to check out. Also on Sunday is Word on the Street Vancouver, which is a celebration of books that's going to happen at the Vancouver Public Library. Oh, and it goes on and on. And, and I've been blabbing so much that it's now 6.02 and I really should, should stop. So uh, that's all from me today. Thanks for listening. Check out why, if, if you're not subscribing it to our podcast, I, I don't know what's going on. Why aren't you subscribing? Go on to our website, uh, click on uh, the shows uh, and under shows, yes, there's a tab on the front page, and you can click on podcasts, and then you can subscribe to the Arts Report, and it, and it will uh, come to you as soon as these podcasts are ready, and they'll be ready for you to listen to anytime you want. You don't have to catch it at just at 5 p.m. So that's it for me. Real to Real is next. This is CITR 101.9 FM.